when we come to our final time. When to some extent this Advent series has been asking the question, what is Christmas? And, and the reason to some extent we, we celebrate Christmas and we have the, the Advent wreath and journey is to remind us of what is Christmas, a tangible way. See, because up until just recently in history, we didn't have people who could read, who could write, who understood many of things. And so what the early church did very well, I say, as every tradition and culture has done, is they've had symbols and they've had journeys along the way to tell the story of why we exist and what the meaning of anything is. If you look in Scripture, that's the world of Scripture. They had feasts that told the story of the nation of Israel, starting with the Passover, which, just so you know, we are eight weeks from Lent, okay? So if we were, uh, I think I said this last week, if we were a very liturgical church and we were going to do an Ash Wednesday service, by the way, we could still do an Ash Wednesday service. No, this year my, my struggle would be do I make the sign of the cross or do I try to do a heart? Because Ash Wednesday is also Valentine's Day. So Logan, if you need to pick up on the next girl you want to meet, do not say, uh, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, but I still love you. Okay, that's not going to work. Okay? All right? I didn't use that with Alicia. All right? Uh, truth be told, I did, she used the lines on me. I didn't use them on her. She knew what she wanted. I still question her judgment. Uh, but she knew what she wanted. Yeah, it is. In many ways. And so this Advent brief, this time, these four Sundays, is to remind us not just in word, but in symbols and in life. And in this ragtag Advent brief that I try to put together each year. And have no fear, I realize the one candle looks low, it is low, but there's none of the pine nearby. Okay, Rusty, it's okay. Uh, you know, uh, with that, there's a fire extinguisher over by Jim, maybe, um, with that. You know, but today the journey must end. Because see, this isn't the destination. These are signposts along the way. The journey must end. And if you are astute, you know there's one yet to light. And we will light that one tonight, and it's a candle unlike any other candle here. It's a different color. And it is a reminder for me of a new journey must begin. As one ends, we must begin another one, and that is the journey of Christ. For if you are a church historian, as uh, you know, Rob Cutter is to some extent, you know that for many of years the church didn't celebrate Christmas as we know it. It's not that they weren't aware, but they wanted to remind the early church that it wasn't just that he came that mattered. It was the journey he took to the cross that mattered. So they put much more work and emphasis on Lent and Passover and Easter. 
And sometimes, in our current culture, in our current conservative uh, Christian evangelicalism, we get so caught up on that next journey when he comes again that we forget that we are on a different journey right now. There is coming a day when our journey of following Christ in this world will end. And a new journey will begin. The journey of glory. Whether he calls us home or comes and finds us, whichever one. And we ought to pray, come Lord Jesus. I believe that was the prayer of some at the first century of, of the writing of the Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They were waiting for the Messiah. Come, O Messiah. And yet, they missed it some. And so this journey is the journey of, of following Jesus. That's the journey we're on. And I want us to be reminded that that is a journey of love. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandments? Or commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he quickly added, the second greatest, love your neighbor as yourself. A journey of love. And we might sit here to think that maybe the journey started that very first night of Christmas, but I would let you know part of my belief is the journey really started thousands of years prior when God himself said, let there be lights. The journey of love started thousands of years ago when he knelt down and he and he built Adam from the ground, the dust of the earth, and he took from Adam and he created Eve. A journey, a handmaid of love. And if we will travel on this journey of love and we allow the journey of Lent to come, and we are reminded at the beginning, ashes to ash, dust to dust. As we're formed from death, so you must return. We realize that in so doing that is an act. Of love. Jesus would say in John 13, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. By this the whole world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's the theme that American Baptist Churches of Ohio have chosen for 2024. And you'll hear more of, as I hope to have Dr. Pearson in to preach. Maybe if we are lucky, even uh, our executive minister, Mark Cliff, and others. And so as I wanted to remind us of this journey of love, I ask that you turn in your Bibles around your phones or tablets or wherever to John chapter 3. As I pick this great chapter to finish up our Advent journey this morning, because tonight it's not the Advent journey. Tonight it's the celebration that the journey of this portion has ended. That hope, peace, joy, and love is here. And so we read in John chapter 3 this, this interaction between Jesus and a Pharisee, Nicodemus. And he's trying to figure out what in the world is going on. 
I believe there's more going on in the story than John puts for us, but John is very clear. He's not giving us a verbatim writing, a historical account. He, he's doing this for a purpose. And, and, and then, uh, you know, in, in some Bibles, uh, you get to uh, verse 16, it may be in red. I think this is John's uh, kind of addendum. It's his editorial remarks to this early church. Okay? Where he says this, and I want us to read it together. It's going to be on the screen, and those of you at home, you can read it in your head or read it out loud. I mean, if you're out and about getting last-minute groceries, it would be really cool. Um, you know, people will look at you a little weird. It's all right. I'm weird. You can be weird with me this morning. All right? But we, we read these words in verses 16 and 17. Read with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. A journey of love that started from the very beginning of time and will continue until time is culminated in Christ himself. And then we get eternity where he himself puts it. I want you to read it again with me, this time from the message version, which is a little bit different, but sometimes we, we know the story. If you've been a part of the church for any length of time, you know these words and you don't even have to look, but sometimes when we do that, we miss the words because we don't have to look. So once again, whether you're online, I don't care where you are, say it out loud with me as we read these verses again. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that no one needs to be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help. To put the world right again. This journey of love. That some of you know those words so well. We forget those words so well. This journey of love that is hard because we would love to do nothing else but point our finger at the world and, and say, look how awful you are. Yes, that isn't just what God did. Yes, Jesus comes against typically the religious rights and the religious left of his day. He came to those who thought they knew better. But he doesn't even do this here. This whole discussion with Nicodemus is not one where he wags his finger at Nicodemus. He challenges him. He doesn't let him stay where he is, but he's not condemning him like, really? How dumb can you be? He does ask, well, come on, aren't you Israel's teacher? He's taking him to a deeper level. In this journey of love, we need to be reminded is one not where we wag our finger at the world to say how awful they are. But instead, 
study Luna Love. For love will shine light into the darkness. We read here again in verse 19, this is the verdict, John says, light has come into the world. Light has come. Love has come. It's a reminder, and I'll get to the rest of that verse in just a moment, so don't, don't cry foul just yet, of John chapter 1, where we read these words in verse 4, In him, the word God, was life. And that light was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, I will say, will not, cannot overcome it. This journey of love means we as God's people must go out into the darkness. God first creates light out of darkness. Jesus comes to be light in the darkness. But how easy, safe, cozy, comfortable it is if we just stay where we are and never go out. God could have loved us by just staying put. He would have been loving. He created everything. But he chose, at the, at Paul says, at just the right time to come into this world out of love. Not because we need it. But love asks, I think, this question. What is best for filling in the blank? This past week, I saw something uh, online. I thought it was a great question. One I, I probably struggle more with than I'd like to admit. Where it talked about, you know, loving requires parents to ask, is this what is best for my child, or is this what is best for me to be a good parent? Sometimes those are two different answers. Sometimes what I do is not necessarily, I hate to admit, but I must, is not what is best for my kids, but it's what makes others look at me and say, I'm a good parent. Love asks, what is best for someone else? God so loved the world he gave. Love was what is best for the world. Because God would say, what is best for me? It isn't the ministry. It isn't the cross. It isn't all the things he dealt with. He asked what is best for whoever he is around? How can we do the same thing? As we look out in our world, what is best for those who are walking in darkness? Not only what is best for me, for you. As, as your pastor, right, I have to ask more times than not, what is best for this church? Not what is best for me as the pastor. And sometimes they are the same, and sometimes they are not. What is best? Maybe this will clarify a little bit. Love holds on to hope 
peace, joy for others. I know I've shared this example many times, and uh, I'm reminded of it many times. One of my favorite letters anyone has ever given me uh, is, I believe, in my office. I believe it is to the left of my desk on the bookshelf, on the lower bookshelf, maybe other other things. Uh, but I, I know where it is, but more importantly, I know what is on the inside. It comes from dear friends, someone who is uh, tremendously great, I believe, in ministry that uh, the Lord saw fit that we could do some things together. Uh, and if I'm very honest, I, I selfishly try to recruit them for our internship, though they keep telling me no. Uh, but I will keep trying, because this is someone that, that the Spirit of God is upon. And to do the work of the Lord. And, and in the letter, they say these powerful words. In this letter, I give you your hope back. I've got mine. Now that may not sound much, but except a nice poetry in there, a writer. But there's a backstory, as there always is, with that. Because there was a time when not only was their candle of hope tremendously low, their candle of hope had been snuffed out. And they had no hope for themselves. And in the dark of night, and it was a dark night, as we sat in another colleague's living room trying to discern the Lord, it was this reminder that all I could say is, here, I lit a candle. And I know this isn't the right color candle this morning, but this is a candle of hope. Here, I give you my hope for you. Take it. And when you get your own, you can get it back. Love will hold on and continue to give hope to one another. See, we can't do that, though, if we, if we do what Jesus did not do. It says here that God did not send his son of the world to condemn the world and to shake his finger. This isn't to say uh, Jesus was okay with anything and everything. He wasn't. But what he was saying is, I didn't come down to pass final judgment and to condemn you to where you belong. I came that you may have life, hope, joy, peace. It isn't. 
See, because we bought into our world the lie that we are lovable only when we do X, Y, or Z, that we have to earn that love. Yes, and he got it right. We can't do that, Eric Allen. He gets it. In ways that we will never get it. See, we think we have we we are lovable because we produce something. That we are good for something. And I must admit, one of my biggest struggles is I have to be good for nothing enough times so that I will hear the loving words of Jesus say, I love you because you are good for nothing. Instead of always good for something. For God so loved, he gave not a world that need, that deserved it. But a world that didn't. Our world doesn't believe they're truly lovely. We have addictions, in part because of that. We have strife. We have consumerism. Goodness gracious, we've got at least two wars.
into seconds. And that is to you and love. Even those who won't give, we are to love others. Even those who are our enemies, we are to love others. We are to love others, even those who we think don't deserve this. We are to love others, even those who we may go even as far to say as are just plain evil. We are to love others, even when they do not love themselves. We are to love others when they're broken and when they're whole. We are to love others when they question and when they have the faith and the confidence on who Jesus is. We are to love others who are caught in sin and those who think they have no sin. We are to love others. By this, the world will know you are my disciples. By how you Sometimes that's not who we are. And yet that is the journey we are. The journey to love. What is the Spirit saying to you? I don't know that you heard anything I really said. But I know the Holy Spirit says things that I do not say. And I believe that if you are a believer in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and that Spirit is talking to you. And if you don't have Jesus in you, the Holy Spirit has a way of telling you what you need to do. You know, and that's why we need to be people who pray the Spirit on others. And those of you who are online, I think the, the Holy Spirit can, can work through technology. So that you have heard a word this morning that may never have came out of my mouth. Yet, you heard. What is the Spirit saying to you? He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And then, how are you going to live differently this week, today? What difference will what the Spirit has said to you make? See, because we can hear all we want, but if we do not do, Hearers of the word that we do. Remember, that's James, but Jesus said it's very similar things. He told two stories about not just hearing his words, but living them out. May we not be people who just hear 
for the words of Jesus. May we be people who do the words of Jesus. And so, I share with you the birth of Jesus according to the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, the gracious right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent or a human decision or of a husband's will, but born out of the will of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness, we all have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made To that. You say the only words you dare are. Amen. So be it. Will you stand as we sing?